We have, of course, uh, changed the lineup a little bit in the evening here. Rick Smith is kind enough to join us now as he is on the air with us in the evening, 8 p.m. right here on AM 950. Rick Smith, kind enough to join us. Hey, Rick. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I am fabulous. Looking forward to vacation. Looking forward to uh, some, some, some warmer weather than 52. But wow, Minnesota 52 <laughs> in December. Wow. Okay, so let me tell you a funny story. My dad was up. He lived up in the north on the Iron Range up there. And one year I was up there in December and it was like 36 and foggy and the snow was melting. And my dad almost looked like he was about to cry. He goes, this is so broken. It's not even right. I mean, in northern Minnesota, it should be really cold at this time. And it's just not even close anymore. Yeah. Again, you know, something is seriously broken and we're and our folks in Washington are going to continue to make sure that it continues to be broken. (laughs) Until everyone then all of a sudden when everyone's sure you want to play the blame game now that we're all eating each other. But, you know, come on, I'm for solutions. Okay, great. Uh, Let's talk a little bit briefly here. Uh, You you changed the show around a little bit. What's the whole plan on that? Well, we wanted to get out and we wanted to do more. Uh, on the ground stuff, we wanted to get out and and travel a little bit more in the new year. Uh, so the idea was we're going to lean heavily into the TV show and, and video, but also to recording and being able to be away from the studio. As you know, it's it's kind of hard to to be on the road and and do a live talk show. So we decided that this year we were going to give it a shot and and lean heavily into uh, getting out and talking to people and telling stories and and you know educating. Uh, inoculating and activating voters because this upcoming election, uh, kind of a big freaking deal. No, and, and I think that the game plan is very solid. I mean, I'll give you a great point up in up in Brainerd, Minnesota, so a small town thing. But the grocery store workers up there are all going to go on strike because they're not getting paid. Now, this is a little bit of a story here in the metro area, but it's really not a story anywhere else. By getting out there into the public, you're able to find these stories and give them the the, the coverage that they need. Yeah, well, we want to talk about things that matter to working people. And what we found is, look, you know, when you're doing a, a, day, a daily talk show, you're on the hamster wheel. So you're, you're focused on the story that happened today. You know, um, you know, you know what, what, what's everybody talking about today? I, I want to take a step back from that and, and start looking at big picture stuff. Uh, start looking at, you know, how did we get into the mess we're in? How is it that President Biden, who has done, I think, an incredible job of ushering us out of, of pandemic era kind of, of, uh, of, of policy into prosperity? Look, uh, Donald Trump earlier this month in Iowa said, you know, Biden's going to lead us into a depression. And yet today the Dow Jones <laughs> hit an all time high. But here's the thing. All you're going to hear, and I had people to, you know, email me, say, Biden's going to lead us into depression. Even though this has happened, we don't have the, the megaphone, the, we don't have the platforms, we don't have the messaging to get out and share this. And this is why I think Biden's approval ratings are so, are so low, because every day you keep hearing this assault on, on the economy's horrible, things are bad, it's all Biden's fault, except when something goes good. Something goes right, something pointing in the right direction. Well, you know, not so much. Well, oh, no, that, that wasn't Biden that got the stock market. That was the Fed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, all right. I see it. I, I, you know, I will say that it, it, it is important as we're out there, you know, hammering away. I will make this point because uh, I've been looking at polling a lot. Polls today just do not register people no. credibly under the age of 35. And they just don't. And this Generation Z, they're going to change a lot of things. 
And and I think and you know it's funny because they'll still put out polls that that clearly don't seem to match the sentiment I'm seeing. But yet, you know, they and at the end of it, they kind of try to do a mulligan by saying, yeah, by the way, these last few years, the polling's have been off because Generation Z hasn't been really registered that much. Late millennials, early Generation Z. I, I think that the reality is, is that Biden's doing a lot better than people are saying. It just is. You know, th- there's no way. I think the idea of traditional polling is is falling apart because. It, it's not like you can just call people's phones anymore and just yeah. get them to get a, a solid demographic breakdown. Well, but here's the thing. I mean, we still got to go out there and tell the story that this yep. guy's this guy's killing it. Yep. I mean, you know, for me, the big the biggest thing, and this is this is one of those hard to understand, hard to grasp kind of things because you're using scary words. Um, you know, the idea that he is moving us away from the last forty years of neoliberalism. The fact that he's moving us away from what got us as a country into the mess that we're in uh, is a big, huge, transformational deal that in 20, 30 years, we're going to look back and go, this guy was one of the best presidents because he's put us in the right direction, talking about investing in infrastructure, reshoring manufacturing, and, and a lot of the stuff that's coming out of, out of the NLRB and the Department of Labor, stuff that, well, the mainstream corporate-controlled for-profit media never really want you to hear or understand they want you to get stuck in the narrative that his polling numbers are bad matt mm-hmm. well no and I'll, I'll i'll give you a, a modern day comparison back in 2010 they the, the the republicans ran and with media and control convinced people that obamacare was a horrible thing horrible thing and the second all of a sudden republicans went across the board pretty much within a month everyone's like boy obamacare wasn't that bad as a matter of fact that should have been a signature piece of legislation but unfortunately <laughs> too many republic or too many democrats bought the republicans talking points and ran away from what should have been their champion cause champion cause for the next three decades instead they basically ended up torpedoing themselves for the last 10 years yeah but here's the thing obamacare was a horrible failure it was terrible but the affordable care act was ah, fabulous that was that uh, whoever did that now that we're talking <laughs> exactly uh rick uh, the the okay i've uh, dean phillips uh, he is my house rep, by the way, with redistricting. He began. I wasn't with Ilhan Omar. Now I'm with Dean Phillips. Are we gonna Are we gonna fight over who has the worst representative? Because my my representative Scott is Scott. Pardon me, Perry. Oh, is oh, is he? Oh no, you you win. You, you win. <laughs> it's like, uh, hey, I mean, I you know, Dean is. I I don't know where Dean's going, but he's not Perry. Uh, you know, I, I will say that. But okay, I said this when he said he was going to try to run. If you're going to win the Democratic nomination, you need the union vote. Correct. I don't. I just do not see any way in the world that Dean Phillips was going to be able to pry the union vote away from Joe Biden. You've not seen any movement at all when you talk not talking to the unions. You're not seeing all of a sudden people saying, "Hey, I got. I'm interested more in this Dean Phillips guy." It's pretty much they're all solid Biden voters, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, I don't see anybody going. Gee, I'm in for Dean Phillips. Uh, I see people going. I see the Democratic. Uh, machinery moving Biden along. I see my union brothers and sisters going, look, here's a guy who walked on the picket line. Yep. Here's a guy who put on Obama's comfortable shoes and found a picket line to walk on. That is a huge, huge deal. But more importantly, you know, to, for, to me, that's it's a, it's, a, it's a nice thing that he walked on the picket line. For me, it's who he put in charge of the NLRB, Jennifer Abruzzo. It's who's at the Department of Labor, uh, uh, Julie Hsu. Uh, there are so many things that he has done that can help working people by putting, oh, I don't know, people into positions of power who actually know what they're doing and want those agencies to work for working people. That is a huge deal. 
I mean, when you stop and you think about it, the Department of Labor, you know, who were Trump's choices? If you remember, the first guy that they wanted to bring out was a guy named Andy Pudzer. You know who Andy was? He was the CEO of Carl's Jr. His great idea was to do away with all employees and have an automated kiosk restaurant so you didn't have to deal with those pesky minimum wages. Mm. And when he didn't get it, they went to Antonin Scalia's son, Eugene, who was a corporate lawyer, in charge of the Department of Labor. What do you think you were going to get for working people out of people like that? You know, you bring that up, and that's one of the great things about Biden that I like is that he's reestablished that you put people into place. And Obama did the same thing to a point. You put people in place that are experts in there, and you can look at his entire cabinet and and a lot of the positions he's placed in the government. There are distinctly a lot of great people there that are the perfect person to have yeah. in that role. And Absolutely. as you said, it's, it's not, it's not any kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of, you know, kind of a nepotism sort of thing that you're getting. It's, it's actual real, you know, real results. And you can see how a government works. I mean, you brought up the stock market. We can talk about the unemployment rate. The government works. The country works when you have people in place that are competent and can run it. Oh, no, no. Even, even more than this, even more than, than that. And that's important. But the big the big thing is people who want government to work, people who believe in the power of government to make lives better, the people who believe that when we all collectively come together, we can do great things. Uh, I, again, we keep voting for, uh, well, some people keep voting for Republicans who tell us government is broken, government is bad, government can't do anything. And then they set out to do exactly what the House of Representatives has done or not done. Uh, over the last year plus, and that is gridlock, destruction, nothing for working people getting done. And, you know, the rich people are happy because status quo benefits them, lines their pockets, makes sure that uh, none of those things that you and me and our families need get done. You know, uh, like the child tax credit, that didn't get renewed. Why? Republicans didn't want it. And they're never going to pay a price for it. Because there aren't enough Matt McNeils out there saying, hey, this was a bad idea. Republicans did this. Republicans hate working people. Look at what they did. They hate children, too, evidently. Look at what they did. Well, they, and, and you're spot on, and we need more Rick Smiths out there. Rick Smith, of course, joining us 8 o'clock weeknights right here on AM 950. So I want to bring up something that uh, just – it's a union issue. It's a labor issue. Uh, one thing that's it's, – it's been hitting here in Minnesota because there's been the Washington Post expose on Bemidji and the post office up there. DeJoy, when he came in as the postmaster general, I think his initial plan was to kill the post office. But it became – the realization is you really can't do that. There's just too many people that need mail, and these private companies were just not going to deliver mail to rural areas because it's not cost-effective. So they, they changed the plan, and the plan now seems to be – to basically sell out the postal workers, turn them into delivery people for private corporations, and in turn run them ragged. Some of these, out, especially in these like a Bemidji, which is up in the northwestern part of the state, it is the main hub up there, but it's kind of all by itself. Because they're de- delivering all these packages for Amazon and for UPS and all these other delivery services – they basically can't get the mail delivered. And in some places, mail is not even getting delivered, but once every two or three days because they're constantly delivering private companies' packages because DeJoy has sold out the postal workers for basically the the, the private companies. 
Well, I mean, privatization is always the goal of, of the Postal Service. And look, I still believe it is. I believe, you know, they, they want it to be the private carrier of Amazon. Uh, and and this is this is part of that. This is part of getting us used to not getting our mail, uh, normalizing the fact that, you know, it, it's going to take a while. The Postal Service doesn't run really efficiently because they, they got rid of a bunch of people. They didn't hire enough seasonal people. So if you're wondering why your Christmas present is going to be a little bit late, that's a big part of it. If you're wondering why that Christmas card's not coming, that's, that's really a big part of it. But this, again, is when you put someone in charge of, of an agency that doesn't believe in its mission, which is to ensure that every person in every home in every part of this country gets their mail, uh, what do you what do you expect, Matt? I mean, this again. These are people who do not believe in what they're doing. Well, and and it and it's it really is pretty atrocious. You want to, you want to know a reason? One of the things you can tell the the postal service is getting mismanaged. They've run out of stamps. <laughs> the yeah. holiday stamps. They ran out of hol. How do you run out of holiday stamps? <laughs> you can sell them next year, you idiots. I I mean, it just it it just it is amazing to me. How badly he's run. But once again, this is one of the things. And we've seen this with what? Jails, hospitals, schools. The Republicans look at that big ball of cash out there, try to figure out any way possible they can get it in the hands of private business owners at the expense of all of us. And and it ends up getting us a 10 times worse product as they they promise us it's going to work more efficiently. It never does. No, it never does. And look, I, you know, I, I talk about privatization all the time and these schemes that keep coming up from, as you pointed out, prisons and roads and water and sewer and electricity and, you know, all our utilities and all the things that in past years, uh, we used to do as a matter of course for ourselves. And now what we have is we have a system set up where private interest, corporate America, they get the cash in and it's even getting worse than this. Um, our homes are being bought up by by giant hedge funds. Yeah, you you, know, you brought this up the, the the hedge fund control of American Homes Act of twenty twenty three. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, you know, finally someone has realized that um, you know a handful of people are controlling a large market of the single family homes. Yeah, and and you know, for the average person to be able to go out and afford, you know, a reasonable home today. Is, is almost impossible. And this is where the, the frustration comes in. Because, you know, the sad reality is, is working people are getting screwed over more and more uh, as we, we talk about it. But uh, what you had is you had Jeff Markley, uh, who we've had on the program a couple of times, and Adam Smith of, of Washington. They came out with the End Hedge Fund Control of American Homes Act. Uh, and this idea is that within the next 10 years, the hedge funds who have bought up more than a quarter of the, the single-family homes in this country, uh, they're going to have to sell them all off within 10 years, or you know, there, there are massive fines and massive tax penalties and all kinds of stuff that go along with this. Because this is the bizarre part. You know, I was watching, uh, what was his name? Alex, Rodri- Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player yeah. from, from the Yankees. Uh, he, I saw an interview with him. He says he, he himself and his little group own 150,000 doorknobs. That's how he put it. Uh, they weren't homes. They weren't family homes. They weren't places where people lived. They were doorknobs. And, and that, those people are paying him rent uh, and his group rent. And, you know, it's, it's what's going on in just about every neighborhood in this country. 
Uh, you have these groups that are buying up homes, and, and they look so innocuous. They see yeah. it's almost almost you know, down home, handmade kind of signs, Bob's home buying. It's all backed by hedge fund money. It's all backed by billionaire money who are trying to take over and, well, get you to pay more. Because, hey, look at how much rents have been jacked up. Yep. Do you think that just happened? No, a large driver of that is these people want more money. They're greedy. It never ends. And this is why I love Bob Casey, the senator from my state, who's been doing these reports on greedflation, pointing out the fact that corporate America has been screwing us over this whole pandemic while mega morons are going, it's Joe Biden's fault. No, no. It's, it's who we knew it was from the beginning. Yeah. It's the corporate profiteers who, in their shareholder meetings, were actually bragging about how much they were screwing over consumers. Well. It, well, and you, you brought the home thing. I remember there was a friend of mine, they, they had their house bought, and they thought it was a couple. It was like Ma- Mary and Bob Watson. And yep. when they got to the signing for the sale, it was Mary and Bob Watson LLC, which was owned by another thing. They pr- the, the company had presented them as just a couple buying the house, and then they found out, oh, no, it's not a couple. It's a corporation. Yep. And and they, they'll trick you anyway, but you know, you're, you're spot on. And one other thing, too, if I may, it's not inflation if every company is getting record profits. That's just plain good old-fashioned greed, that you yep. cannot have inflation and record profits at the same time. Those two things do not work together. It's greed. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, uh, Rick. It's 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 always a pleasure. I'm glad we have you on in the eight o'clock hour. You're you're bringing you're fighting the f- good fight. You're bringing the good information, and and, and God bless you on that one. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today. Everyone, listen to his show at eight o'clock tonight. And uh, happy holidays, Rick. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Matt. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you again. Talk to you soon, Rick Smith. Uh, the Rick Smith Show, eight o'clock tonight. Uh, make sure you're listening. It's you will be smarter. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.